Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good evening, everybody. It's almost the witching hour, just past 1 a.m., but I am back on the boat, and I got a little uh, bee in my bonnet, I guess, to get on the old microphone, and I actually wanted to try something a little different. So I was live streaming on YouTube as well as recording for the podcast because I'm sitting in the smells and the oops, the effervescence of a boat that's been shut up for a month and a half. And I got to tell you, it feels really, really good. So I set all the mics up real quick before I did anything. And um, yeah, we pretty much just unleash and we go all over the place, all over the place for the next hour. And I answer a few questions here and there. We talk about future trips. We talk about what I got to do, what my plans are, all that sort of stuff. So it's um, it's a bit of a mod podge podcast, but hopefully you enjoy it. I know it's been a little while since I did one. Um, and, you know, it's uh, being away from the boat always throws me into a bit of a mental quandary. I start doubting everything and all that stuff, and then I get back to the boat, and it seems like the world is right once more. So before we get into the podcast, like I always say, and we received a new Patreon today, Patron today, which I'm super excited about. Um, I can't, I can't even, I can't put into words just how awesome it is to have so many people that are supporting this show. You definitely are supporting this show. We're up to 46 or 45 strong and it's fantastic. It's it's humbling. It just makes me feel so good and it makes me want to keep putting out more and more better and better content. So, I will keep doing it. You guys keep supporting it and it's just it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> so, if you want to become a supporter on the show, um or of the show, follow the link to Patreon and you can sign up right there. That's fantastic. Other than that, obviously we still got the merch out. I heard from uh, somebody on the YouTube stream. They were wearing my merch right then and there. And I was wearing mine all day through the airport, spread it all over the U.S. Um, Follow the link for those, the shirts and the hoodies and all that stuff. I even added a few of the kids' sizes stuff. Um... And lastly, like I always say, if you want to contact the show, which plenty of people have been doing, and I will be getting to some of those emails, um, go to sailingintooblivion.com, click on the podcast button, and click contact the show, and those go right to me. So without further ado, let's get into some late night, back on the boat, banter, And uh, we just are going to go all over the place. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And uh, here we go. Hello and welcome. Oh, my goodness. I am back on Mighty Sparrow. And it feels really amazing. (laughs) I got to tell you, I already got a few mosquito bites because now I'm in the low country. And... uh, Yeah, it didn't take long for that one. Uh, Coming from the Ice Age up in Michigan to uh, essentially being back down 
in South Carolina. Let me get this all dialed in here. Oh, that's not so good. Let's turn that on, see if that fades this light. Nah, it doesn't. Oh, geez. There we go. That's a little better. I like that. Oh, we're back on the boat. I can't believe it. It feels so good. Hello from Key West. What's up, Cody? Would that be the same Cody that uh, signed up for the Patreon, I think? No. Well, I don't think it is. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. I want to start out by just saying uh, huge thanks to everybody who has uh, joined in on the mission of, I don't know, the mission of this whole fiasco, which has been my life for the last seven years, uh, which is basically sailing this boat and trying to do anything and everything I can to spend as much time out at sea and enjoy it and then bring some of it back for everybody to, uh, I don't know, experience, I guess, throughout the podcast and throughout the <clears throat> YouTube stuff and all the different sort of arenas. So big, big thanks because it you'll never know. I, I It's so crazy until you actually... Go and start um, trying to create some of this content as, like, full on. Like, you're trying to do something, you know, every couple of days or whatever. It is... Whew, my brain <laughs> felt fried. Now I feel far more invigorated uh, just because I'm essentially back on the boat. And it's a whole different atmosphere everything i've literally just gotten back on this boat uh, but before we get into that yeah i just want to do a big big shout out to everybody who is helping to support not only the podcast but the youtube channel and all that sort of stuff it's it's been fantastic um the huge amount of support and yeah um it it, it makes me want to keep doing it and it makes me want to get back out on the ocean and and basically all that because i you know right now it's <laughs> I just got back. <laughs> I took four different flights to get down here. I left Pelston, Michigan, which has the nickname of the Icebox of America. Cheers, by the way. It's just past midnight, and uh, great content, man. Thank you, Sailing Solo. Appreciate that. Uh, for those listening just on the podcast, which this will be uploaded after this whole thing, uh, I'm, I'm also doing this as a live stream on YouTube so that, uh, there will be some comments and hopefully some questions. I don't know. We'll have to see how, how, how we do and how we get into it. But I always like doing these, uh, these shows where I've just returned to the boat because right now the effervescence Oh, it just smells like a boat. It really should smell uh, when it's been closed up for a month and a half. It's not, I'm, I must say, it's not musty, I don't think. It doesn't smell moldy. I don't have a stuffed up nose quite yet. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I, and I'm not seeing any mold. Up top, it was dark out, but I could definitely tell there's a lot of pollen everywhere. But it's just that smell of a boat that's been closed up. And I know it's going to go away. I'm going to clean everything tomorrow and all that sort of stuff. But there's this just, uh, it smells like an old yachtsman. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I don't know. It does. It, 
I've smelled it a, a bunch of times. I can remember as a kid, uh, for just a couple of years, we had some sort of 30 foot like J boat or something. I, it was only for a little bit. It was like on the whim. My old man wanted it. My mom was sort of like, yeah, this isn't a good idea. And eventually that came to fruition and we ended up selling it because we just didn't use it or whatever. But it was, uh, I can still remember this same smell whenever I was a little kid and I'd go down below. And fun fact, when I was little, I was seasick all the time, all the time. We went out, I was seasick. I was down below basically crying like, I'm seasick, I hate it. I'm wearing the Sailing to Oblivion hoodie right now. Very cozy. Oh, nice. Thank you, Josh. Hey, I have uh, I was sporting my Sailing into Oblivion gear all day today. I have, I picked up. I, I just went and, you know, I wanted to get the full line. I don't have the full line yet because I have so many of them out there, but it is kind of nice. I wish they had the zip-up hoodie available in all of them but they don't for some reason it's only on the original first uh edition one but you know yeah the old school smell there's no i'll tell you it's weird so i the first thing i always do get in the boat and i check the bilge because i'm always worried about that you know i i could be a thousand miles away there's people that are watching the boat i shouldn't have to worry at all i still worry and so you know, I, there will be times where I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking like, oh, geez, I wonder what's going on with the boat. And I actually have to sort of like tune my brain away from that because I'm very superstitious in the fact that I think like if I start thinking that, you know, one of the seacocks are going to let go, then I feel like for some reason I have the power to actually make that happen through thought. And so I try to steer all my thoughts away from that, as weird as that might sound. Um, but yeah, I get back, I turn the bilge pump on, it spit out a little bit. So I definitely, there's either the stuffing box or something has, has got a little drip going, but maybe, maybe eight ounces of water came out and the boat's been sitting here unchecked for, uh, like a month and a half. And that's always a nice feeling. You know, I, I unplug from shore power. And I have a solar panel up there, and the batteries were sitting at 12.7, which I, I assume is pretty pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna have to top up the old the old distilled water and do a whole. There's like a whole huge list of things, and I try not to get too overwhelmed. Even though, like I'm literally, it's go time. Starting tomorrow. There's no there's no ifs ands or buts like. I've got to get the cap rail sorted out. I have to get the engine sorted out. The gallows are going to be coming down hopefully soon. I've got to coordinate that. I've got a fan of the show who's going to actually just drive them down here because I think they weigh like 70 pounds and they're huge, so the shipping would be crazy expensive. Um, and that's one of the drawbacks, you know. Boat life, uh, you leave a boat on the dock, you still got to pay for it. Um, so, you know, I had to pay rent the whole time I was gone, which wasn't super fun but you know hey at least the boat's in in a safe nice secure place and i've got great friends around here in the marina shout out to brian who hooked up a sweet ride oh i'm not supposed to say that well nobody will know nobody will know <laughs> um but yeah it's just been um i don't know it's it's 
so good to be back. It is so good to be back. Like, I feel like there was a part of me that was missing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's weird. You know, you go, you go through sort of a trip like I went through and then, oh, the bulkheads will be fun. Yeah. The bulkheads will be a lot of fun trying to figure that out. Um, essentially the bulkheads towards the aft section of the boat, uh, got basically ripped away from the hull. The hull flexed so hard when, when I got knocked down on that, that, uh, last trip that, yeah, it cracked away, but I, I don't think it's going to be too bad. I don't think it's going to be that bad. Um, the hardest part and the, the most time consuming part of that whole project is going to be sort of wrapping that area in plastic so that I, you know, don't spray fiberglass all over when I start grinding it. But it's definitely one of those things where I decided it would be better to do that repair while it was in the water when the hull is in like its natural perfect shape. I mean, you can still get that with jack stands and everything if you're on the hard, but I don't know. Uh, for my money, if I want it to be perfect, I want it to be in the water when I do it. So I have to go and, and basically re... I forget what they were calling it. Uh, I talked to a few people about it, and they said it was like the tapping or something like that. It's not the stringers. The stringers are okay. It's basically the fiberglass that goes from the hull and wraps up onto the bulkhead to make it all one serious solid unit. But yeah, I'd like to do that. I mean, there's a million like projects. I like to uh, say where I would like to do that. I would like to replace those stupid companionway stairs that are just insane, um, crazy heavy. There's a lot of those, but for my money right now, the biggest things are I need to make sure the engine is running, which basically one of the problems that I was running into coming back in was that after about five, 10 minutes of running the engine, um, it starts to rev like it's being starved of fuel. So I run down and I pump the little lift pump and then it's good for another five, 10 minutes. And then I go and uh, have to do it over and over again, which is fine out in the ocean, but it's not fine when you're running down the ICW or in uh, sort of a, a narrow channel because I have to hop down below. It takes me about five, 10 seconds, and then I can hop back up and it's not safe. So I have some sort of fuel blockage somewhere or the actual fuel pump is basically going out the door and if that's fact then i'm gonna have to get a new one or at least uh take it all apart <clears throat> doing bulkheads on my catamaran well good luck mark it's not uh tabbing yes tabbing thank you yes the tabbing of fiberglass that goes from the hall to that i got the best fans i got the best fans <laughs> they know all the stuff and you know that was one of the things i was thinking about it because <clears throat> i've never been very good when it comes to videoing and and stuff uh, of some of the projects that I do, when I go out to sea and I'm cruising around and I'm enjoying like life out on the ocean, yes, I'm very. I like to pick up the camera and I like to show everybody what's going on, do a little narration, all that sort of stuff. <sighs> but when I'm working on stuff, I don't want to be messing with cameras and all that sort of stuff. But I was working. Uh, I got some side work up in up in Michigan for a company called Blue Abacus. 
and they are working with like Nat Geo and and Woods Hole, all these these huge marine projects. And basically, they're we build these rigs with GoPro cameras, which I now have two because they gave me an extra one. But essentially, you take two GoPros and they're angled in so they can triangulate. And then there's like a bait thing, and the fish come in, and it's there's a whole computer system to be able to count the fish and essentially tag them through video alone and it gives people an idea of you know fish populations in their area and they have these rigs all over the world um long story short uh when i got there they use gopro nines they had an extra eight so now at least i have two cameras so you know i can i can sort of uh i'm hoping that will ease the pain <laughs> so to speak of messing about with cameras while I'm trying to fix some of this stuff. Cause I do, uh, there's, there's two reasons. One, I want to keep, I want to keep kind of including people in, in the, the whole process, so to speak of, you know, trying to make all these repairs and get the boat ready and then actually start moving North. Um, as well as, um, uh, what was the other thing? It's late, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sit by while my brain scrambles again. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? <laughs> oh man, I want yeah, I want to include people in in sort of the 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 nitty gritty sort of aspects of the adventure, um, even when you know it's just doing repairs and stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think that's really the main point really is just to, to sort of share the whole experience. Oh no, that was the other thing. I need help. Uh, I need help as far as knowledge goes where, you know, uh, when I have to peel through this fuel system on the Perkins, I've done a little bit of that, but I haven't done a lot of it. And I really need to get this thing sorted out because the way it's going right now, it's not good. And, uh, there's no, no chance I'm going to be able to repower this boat for a long time. So I have to sort this problem out and I'm hoping that there will be some experts out there. Um, so I think what I'm planning on doing is maybe tomorrow just do sort of an overview sort of video, uh, about all the issues, uh, that I'm going to be trying to fix in the coming weeks. I have essentially like a month and a half here in South Carolina. And then I have to start moving North. I've got to get the boat uh, up to a place where either I'm hauling out in a boat yard that I can get work at, or I just find a, another Marina that's a little less expensive and, uh, and I can afford and then, you know, um, make the decision on what happens this summer. I'm not, I'm still not hundred percent sure if I can get up to Maine and work up there or if I'm going to go work up in another spot. So like this, this past month and a half has been really good as far as making some connections, uh, trying to revitalize the speaking stuff. And there's definitely some interest in that, which is great. Um, I mean, that's, that's sort of always been the goal is to be able to subsidize the podcast, the travel that it would take to do this podcast the way I want to do it by doing a few speaking engagements to pay for the gas and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it does kind of look like we might be able to do it this fall or something, but I'm going to have to, you know, 
work my ass off for a little while and uh, save up some money after I pay all my taxes. And then uh, we go from there. But yeah, I think uh, I think things are kind of coming together a little bit. It's, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's been definitely a struggle for a while, for quite a number of years now. But um, as a solo sailor, that's kind of like my thing. <laughs> and a long distance hiker, it's sort of like if you're not struggling, well, then you need to try something that's a little harder, I guess. I don't know. That's that's the mindset that I like to try and stay in. So I'm not sure if that really makes a whole lot of sense because I know there are times where I just fall deep down like depression, like I'm giving it all up. I'm going to erase all my videos. I'm going to just like, you're just, you get into these weird modes and I don't know. I don't know if I have, uh, you know, some, some mental tendencies or whatever, but Hey, it is what it is. So I, uh, I take the good with the bad and I, you know, I, I always try to take some of the lessons that I learned out on the ocean, um, essentially where you're going to have these bad times that you get through and then it's going to make the good times that much better. And you just have to remember that even though it's really crummy right now, you are going to get to a different place and it's going to just be it's well worth it. You will win. Keep at it. Yes, I will. I'm hoping, (laughs) uh, you know, but you know, it's one of those things. Um, I understand that comment, but I also, I also have to constantly be aware and reminding myself that it's not about the end game. It's about what's going on and the journey and as as hokey as that is like it's all about the journey man it really if you're not enjoying the struggle if you're not enjoying the highlights if you're not enjoying just the time from now through whenever then you got to change it up you got to do something different um it's 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 all yeah i mean you just have to be you have to remember to look at the bright side of things and just keep going. And yeah, sometimes it's not fun, but that doesn't mean that it's still not part of the journey, not part of the experience. And you gotta, you gotta learn from those things and hopefully minimize them. But at the same time, you can't minimize them too much because if you don't have the hard times, the good times aren't really that good, you know? That's one thing that's been brought home to me more than anything on this little venture away from the boat. And probably because of the the last journey that I was on was that, you know, that that the, the hard times make it They're They're a super necessary evil in life, because if you have everything just given to you, if you have the bright, sunny, nice day. And it doesn't take any work to get there and you get to just have that. And then you can have it again and again and again, and there's no responsibilities and you don't have to do anything to do it. Then that bright sunny day just gets boring and it's stupid. And in the end, you're, you're just, you're going to become complacent and you're going to hate it. I don't know. Ah, pontificating aboard mighty sparrow. I don't know. Maybe this is what boats do to you. You get on a boat and all of a sudden you're thinking all these like life changing sort of 
uh, heavy hitting thoughts. And I don't know, maybe that's why I like being on a boat all the time. I mean, literally I've only been on the boat now for like 15 minutes. I haven't unpacked except for this microphone and my computer, but I just, yeah, I just feel, ah, I feel like there is hope. <laughs> oh, I feel like there's just, oh, I feel like we can do it. I want to go to Bermuda. I want to sail to Bermuda. That's going to be a tricky one because I don't know if anybody's looking at the weather out in the Atlantic, but it's been horrific. Um, I, I'm not really sure. Oh, we got a little. We got a little phone call. Let's take a phone call. <clears throat> oh, it's it's Sven. We could take Sven's call here. Put it on. Oh, he hung up. It would be fun to get a little Sven phone call in here, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if the audio would be good. Boats will always give the struggle. They do. Oh, yeah. You have to struggle. Captain Cook changed the world. Yeah, he did. He changed the world. He explored the world. Died in Hawaii, though. Have you ever looked at Captain Cook's, like, routes? I mean, that dude sailed. Whew sailed like crazy all right we got we got sven on the line hey what's up bro hey there's a delay yeah we got we got you right now on uh well you're on the podcast and on the live stream oh sweet yeah how you doing yeah i know yeah, i was flicking through youtube channels and i, I caught, actually i'm listening to you and talking to you at the same time <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me just keep going on my tangent here, um, but I I definitely want to have you back on the show to talk about the sails that you built for this boat to go all the way around the world, as opposed to the sails that you would probably build for a cruising boat that just wants to uh, you know ramble around for a few years untethered by sail lofts and repairs. Well, no. Uh, I don't know. I got to find some work around here and then, uh, I have to keep fixing this boat. So, so we'll sort of see, yeah. but yeah. All right. Well, if you get a window, come on down and you've got a place to stay. So. I always appreciate that brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's set up something on the pod and then, yeah, we, 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 we can talk cruising sales. Okay, sounds good. I know I know all my my listeners and stuff would love to to hear your expert master sail making thoughts on all that. Even though you're out there building space blimps right now. Hey, and I'll tell you, guess what? Your audio is great. <laughs> nice, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I know. Well, this yeah, the microphone right now is recording for the podcast, and then the camera is recording for the live stream. So, all right, bro, love you and. Nice. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk again uh, soon. All right. All right. Ciao for now. (laughs) Ciao. Ciao for now. That's. (laughs) Oh, God. Sven's so great. He's got two sayings in life. When he's about ready to hang up the phone, it's ciao for now. And then, but my favorite, Svenism uh, of all time. And it usually takes a couple of couple of ice cold canadian beers to get him to it but 
He looks you dead in the face and he just points his finger right at you and he just you know what you need to do <laughs> because he's got he just has he's got the wisdom. Um and I you know I've known two people like that. Sven obviously. Uh, but you know the oracle Murphy up there in Maine. You know I I still there's one day and I hope it will happen at some point. But I would like to sit outside of the podcast and just listen to Sven and Murphy have, eh, you know, not so much a debate, but a conversation. And uh, and maybe, you know, just just see just see what happens. I think it would be absolutely hilarious. Oh, man. Good people. Good, good people. Hmm. So now we're completely off the rails, and I can't remember what we were talking about before. Um, but that's okay. It's a live stream. It's a podcast. It doesn't really matter. It's just uh, conscious streaming thought. <sighs> Let's get back to the smell. Oh, it just smells. You know, the hard part is going to be, and, and sometimes it does backfire on me quite a bit. I did clean all the sheets and the blankets and everything before I left a lot of times though I hop in that bunk and instantly my nose everything gets all clogged up because there's like mold and stuff um I do have the old the old uh ozone filter thing where I can crank that I'm probably gonna do that tomorrow for just a little bit just to make sure um you know Sparrow is a really dry dry boat when, you know, when I come back, yeah, like I said, there's like a cup of water in the bilge. So there's not a lot of moisture in here and it's watertight as far as everything up top. So even though it rained quite a bit down here, it's not, it's not too bad. She's a West Sale question mark. Oh yeah, she's a West Sale question mark. <laughs> she is the, she's the, well, I would never say she's the West Sale because West Sales have such a crazy storied history and some epic, epic voyages have been done on these. Um, and I'm very, very proud of the fact that this boat is part of those ranks. Um, cabin dehumidifier. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've thought about having some of those. I don't like to keep anything running on this boat. I basically shut the battery system off. Um, you know, there's a solar panel that's that's just basically keeping the batteries topped up but there's nothing on here that's running because i you know as much as pax has really been able to help me make sure that everything is fused up and all the wires are all good i just worry i worry about some stupid like if i if i leave these fans on i i would love to leave these fans on just to get a little air circulation Oh, I'd love to have it on right now, but I know that noise is pretty annoying. Um, I just, you know, I worry about some stupid little spark setting something off. I, I've seen two boats on fire in my life. One of them, well, both of them burnt down to the waterline. One of them sank completely in the BVI. Um, there was nothing we could do about that one. Uh, the other one we tried to fight, and that was at Patriots Point Marina in charleston back in 2007 and i popped up on deck on the boat that i was working on and this was at night 
and I see flames and I ran and got one of the kids who was working at the marina that night. We went down there with tons of fire extinguishers. I mean, it was an electrical fire though. And so every time we put it out, it came right back up and I didn't have the sense to unplug. And I, well, I don't even know if unplugging the shore power would have done anything. Um, I did not want to go into the cabin because it just, that smoke is so caustic from burning fiberglass. Uh, I don't even want to think. I, I want to deter or defer from that subject because it's such a scary one to think of your boat getting going up in flames. It's just terrible. And when it's at a marina, you know, it's not just going to be your boat. There's going to be damage to all boats, all boats around it. I mean, that was the biggest thing. Once this boat started really going up, then we started just untying the boats around it. And I will say there was one lesson that I did learn from that whole thing because the boat right next to this boat on fire, which was a catamaran, like 40-footer, had tied its dock lines over the cleats as if it was tying up for you know the moon landing or a hurricane or whatever. I mean, six hitches, wrapping it all around. It was the stupidest thing I ever saw. And when I saw it, I looked at it for about 1.3 seconds, and then I moved on to the next boat. And that boat, unfortunately, because it was secured to this dock in a crazy manner, uh, it burned up as well. And that was by my own choice because I knew I could at least untie probably five more boats instead of untying that one. So, you know, it's easy. O eight O, and it's secure. It's not coming undone. Oh, man, I'm kind of sounding sassy there, aren't I? <laughs> I was taught by the Brits over there in uh, the Solent. So, you know, if they saw me do a half hitch, oh, boy, they got mad. They got mad, mad, mad. I'll never forget that. And it's so funny, too, because when I come over to the States and I don't put a hitch on it and I just go around the cleat and then figure eight and then around the cleat again, people are like, Where, where's the hitch? It's not safe. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's safe. It's totally safe. Ah, oh, it's so good to be back on here. I got my cool lighting. Boat's definitely, it's it's not so dirty. I don't know. You know, um, normally I expect to come back here, and I guess it's just been the last few years before I really was able to tackle some of the serious mold infestation, which I think, knock on wood, I have uh, actually sort of solved that problem. Before, I mean, I'd come back here and everything was just coated. You'd run your finger down some of this wood and just be like, oh, good. And you'd like, you'd walk down here and take a good whiff and all of a sudden I'm sneezing, I'm stuffed up, it's awful. So, I don't know. This is, this is pretty good. It's still going to take, you know, I always like to do a, a nice big once over. Um, and I still need to peel through some of these cabs. I don't know, man. There is just a lot. There is a huge, huge list of things that need to be done on Old Sparrow to get her back in uh, in shape. And luckily, I have a little bit of time to do it. So, I don't know. A lot of it, I think, comes down to just not only having the time, but also having the the energy and the fortitude and the passion for it. Because I definitely didn't have that when I got back off this last trip. 
I wanted to seriously run from this boat as fast as I humanly possibly could. Uh, I was having trouble sleeping on the boat every once in a while, even days after this last voyage, I would still get jostled and there was nothing jostling me. Cause this is the calmest little dockage you could ever, uh, you could ever want. Hello from Prudhoe Bay oil field. Prudhoe, isn't that up in Canada? Wow. That's pretty dope. There's a lot of like crazy people that chime in on the old, uh, the old chat here. Prudhoe. Prudhoe is up in Canada. I think I'll, I'll have to just sort of sort of see. Love the videos. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm hoping. Oh, you know what? Let's go back to what I was just about to jump into. I think before Sven rudely interrupted and I'm sure he's laughing now because he is listening. Alaska, Purdue, Alaska. Yes, that's what I meant. Sorry, not Canada. That is offensive to say to an Alaskan, I'm sure. Uh, but you'll understand. Oh, man, Alaska. That's oh, I would love, love to go sail around the Aleutian Islands. Holy smokes, that would be so cool. Maybe one day. I do have this sort of grand plan. I guess it's like the five-year plan. Like, where do you want to be in five years? Five years, I would really love to be in a position where, sadly, Sparrow would be under the command of someone else, someone younger, someone wanting to go around the world, I don't know, um, or at least go on crazy adventures like she really deserves to be doing. Um, but that would allow me to find a larger vessel on the West Coast that I could fix up and also have, you know, four, four or five extra people come on board for certain legs. But essentially try to take a boat from the West Coast all the way back to the East Coast via the world. So the Pacific, the South Pacific, um, the Indian Ocean, around Cape of Good Hope, backwards, and then back through the Caribbean, all that sort of stuff. I would really like to do that, and I would really like to take as many people on different legs of that voyage as, as humanly possible. I think that would be pretty fun. There's a West Sail in my marina, Napa River Marina, completely done in synthetic rigging. Ooh, beauty. Yeah, you know, there was somebody... I'm uh, blanking on the name. Somebody reached out to me a long time ago and they were talking about switching out their rigging for Dyneema, which, you know, um, but they were talking about the weight aloft and all that sort of stuff. And I, I did mention to them that, hey, it's a West sale. Um, I don't know if it matters that much. These aren't that type of boat. Um, you know, you might be able to get a little more out of her, maybe. But I doubt it. Uh, but I do. I switched over to Dyneema for my lifelines, at least. Um, not the running rigging or the standing rigging, but definitely the lifelines. And I don't know. I, I think that the, it definitely has its place. It is pretty cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, sitting and talking to Larique, the rigger up in Maine, you know, you've got your choice. Basically, you, you can go soft rigging like Dyneema. You can go rod rigging, which was mind blowing to hear all the stats on that stuff and how long it can actually last and how strong it is. Uh, and then where it's weak points are too. And then you can have traditional wire rigging like I have on Sparrow. Um, but I mean, I have two backstays, 
a staysel, so two back stays, staysel stay, four stay, uh, and then six. So I got I got ten stays on this boat, and then I have the two like check stays or running back stays, whatever you want to call them. Um, there's a lot holding this this beast of a mast up, which is probably why it's still up, even though it got plunked into the ocean upside down <laughs> on this last trip. Just an absolute beast. I think though, when I do haul out the next time, mast obviously it's coming down again, um, and chain plates are coming off for a full inspection to make sure they are in good condition. It's nice on the west sail because the chain plates are on the outside, so at least you can get a good visual on them. But if you're really gonna do it right, you have to pull it completely off. Make sure there's no pitting or or cracks or rust or anything like that going on underneath. Plus, you probably want to replace the bolts. If the chain plates are good, then at least replace the bolts, rebed everything, and then you know you're pretty bulletproof. Because, I mean, think about it. Who knows how many times Satori, uh, when it was out in the perfect storm, actually did like a 360 roll, and that mass stayed up. I have no idea. Maybe it, uh, you know, maybe it didn't roll over at all. But I have a feeling it probably did. Oh, man. We got like a super chat thing. Matthew Peterson. Hey, shout out. Thank you. Appreciate that. There's uh, That's pretty sweet. I'm just up here talking. I'm just excited to be on both of I can't even barely talk. I took, I took four flights to get here. Pelston, a.k.a. the Icebox of America, to Alpina, to oh come to seattle start your sweet coast idea cheers love the show thank you so much matthew i appreciate that i do want to get to seattle i'm telling you if i can figure out a way to finance it i'm going to what i'd like to do is take the podcast on the road i have about 150 people on a list that i want to sit down with one of them actually that is in seattle um is an old friend of mine who, uh, who's a nuclear nuclear physicist who works uh, in like like the whole nuclear power plant arena, and I think it would be just so amazing to sit down with him and talk about thorium and the benefits of nuclear and all that stuff and how to pronounce it correctly. Probably would be <laughs> that'd probably be the start, wouldn't it? Oh, first time here. Scribe, I think you're awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I heard you good things about rigging only in Rhode Island. I heard heard good things about rigging only in Rhode Island. Hmm. I don't really know what that means there. Is that Mark? Yeah, my eyeballs barely work. Because I took essentially a so sorry. Uh, back to the flight story. Just to just to make it so everybody understands why, maybe it sounds like I'm slurring it because this is the only this is the first cocktail today. Mmm. Oh, and it's mm, it's not really that good. But I do have a white claw. This was the first time I left this boat with white claws in the fridge. Um, Unfortunately, the fridge was off, so they're they're icing up right now. But I'm hoping to crack into one of those sweet beasts. Anyway, today it was basically a 45-minute drive to Pelston, and then a 13-minute flight to Alpena, and then like a 37-minute flight to Detroit, 
and then a long layover Detroit to Atlanta, Atlanta to Savannah, and then about an hour long drive to Buford, where I am now. So I went from 20 degrees and snow wearing flip flops to, uh, I don't know, it feels like it's about 70 degrees and mosquitoes outside. So not, not too bad. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, come out and social Seattle and yeah, Seattle's got a huge sailing scene. I've got good friends out there actually, um, that I've known and worked with in the past, and I really do. Yeah, I mean, so if I can, I I know I have a car that I can borrow, and just hit the road and just like literally podcast after podcast, sitting down with just good people. Of all walks of life. I mean, I, I know the core of this show is always going to be sailing and adventure. And everybody has these adventure stories, but they also do these amazing things in their occupations and all these these great uh, arenas. And I just, I don't know, I'm curious about them and I want to learn and I want to use the podcast to be able to learn that. Plus, I mean, I want to sit down with Randall Reeves for like three hours and I want to get deep into his mind because that guy wants to go ice in up in the north that's crazy but at the same time it's not so crazy that i'm like i wouldn't want to try to do that when i heard him say that all i thought is like "Ooh, i wonder if mighty sparrow could do that (laughs) maybe we could do a double but that would defeat the purpose you have to be like totally shut in alone that's what i want to get to the bottom of always leave some jameson on board yeah, you know, actually, I had quite a bit of alcohol. I still do, actually, left on board from this last trip because um, I wasn't out there very long. I was planning on five months. I was out there for 25 days, and, uh, yeah, there's quite a bit. I got a good stock, which is is good, and I'm trying to chip through some of this food, too. So, oh, I don't know. Do I have anything in here? No. Uh, all the crazy food's over there, but. Yeah, it's I'm self-sustained right now, which is nice. The only thing I have to pay for <laughs> at this point is rent. And uh and so it's going to be, you know, sailor's life for me for a little bit. Um but hey, sometimes you're flush and sometimes you can just, you know, sort of live it up and other times you got to buckle down and remember that when you have to buckle down like that, it's going to make the next time you're flush feel all that much better. It's the ebb and flow. First woman to solo nonstop circumnavigate folks who worked at West Sale and so many other great people. Yeah. Oh, man. I there's there are just there's so many great people. I'd love to sit down with Bud Taplin um, if I could. I don't know exactly where he is located, but I have a feeling it's like up in the Port Townsend area, maybe, or at least it's definitely on the West Coast. Um yeah, there's just there's there's really great people. Mike Poor, oh, shout out to Mike. He was the one who connected me up to be able to get the gallows. I, I don't know. I I really, you know, over the last probably week up in Michigan, I was able to reconnect with some really good old friends, people that I haven't talked to and seen in years, and boy, it just makes life so nice. When you make these connections and you keep these connections going, and um, you know that's that really is a huge chunk of what life is all about, I think. And it's it was made extremely clear to me. 
on this last voyage. So after the knockdown, and then the next day, and the waves got really big, and then the big, big sets rolled in, and for about three hours, it was very questionable what was going to go on. You know, we're already on a broken vessel. We've already been knocked down crazy. And I'm seeing these huge breakers. And I'm just in in the stuff. And the, you know, the grab bag and everything is sitting below the, the companionway stairs. And I'm just standing there poking my head out of the companionway and just watching in awe of all this stuff going on. And the stuff that I thought about, it was the people. It was the people that I knew and met along the way the places that I'd worked at and the people that I worked with, but it always kept going back to the people, to the people, to the people. And I don't know. It was, it's, it, it's not, I don't think it was exactly like that whole thing of like you get into, you're about to get into a crazy car crash and your whole life flashes before your eyes. Cause it wasn't like that. It was, it was like a slow burn version where I had all this time to just watch these crazy waves. And when the sets rolled in, they rolled in heavy and they were scary. And I'm just thinking to myself, this could be it. This could be the day that I meet my maker here. And yeah, that was what I thought about. I thought about all the people and it just made me think like, Hey, obviously if that's what you're going to be thinking about when you get to that point, in a stressful, crazy situation like that, that you have no control over and it might be sort of your last little hurrah. Well, maybe there's something to be said about that, that uh, that's probably a pretty darn important thing in your life and should be focused on and paid attention to. And yeah, I don't know. Getting deep, getting deep right here. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, bear overboard. Hope you take another shot at Cape Horn to starboard trip. Yeah. Oof. Well, it's kind of funny. That trip, really, really wanted to do that trip. I think I wanted to do that trip more than any of the other ones after the trip around the world. Um, just because it sort of had this little bit of a family thing in it from my great, great, great grandfather who was, uh, um, I think he was second mate on on a tall ship back then when they were in the phosphates trade. And, but ah, there's just something about that Cape Horn to starboard to quote, uh, John Kretschmer, uh, with the title of his book, but yeah, it would be pretty cool. And you just, the fact that, you know, I think back to watching like master and commander where they're just, they just have to keep going further South and further South and it's snowing. It's awful. And then finally you get your little, you know, easterly that pushes you just past the Cape and then you can go north. I don't know. There's that whole double in Cape Horn. Yeah, it would be. It would be nice. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, with this last trip, that was the funny thing is I was trying to avoid all of those dangers not so much just to avoid the danger, but also to alleviate my brain from the stress of knowing that that's where you were heading. I just wanted that nice gentleman's cruise, you know, make the, the, the toughest part outside of, you know, getting south of, of 44 degrees north up in Maine. Um, have the most challenging part just be the doldrums, you know? Which the doldrums, yeah, they're, they're like bittersweet. They're the, 
the the most beautiful place in the world but they're also pretty violent and they can get really uh <laughs> they can drive they can drive many a sailor crazy that's for sure um that's how you can get into seattle yeah i could get to seattle that way no that's for sure because that trip didn't have any real non-stop sort of uh aspect to it except for it was basically non-stop to howland island which i was going to illegally go and step foot on but you know who's gonna stop me out there right <laughs> But after that, it was sort of like, you know, because in a lot of ways it was it was um, mimicking not only the phosphates trade, but phosphate trade and the whaling trade were, were pretty similar because they would stop at a, quite a few different places. Um, but the big thing was, you know, rounding Cape Horn, getting into the Pacific, finding those places and then and then coming back. But that's going to take a lot. That's going to take brand new sales uh, i know for a fact that a trip like that i'm i'm not able to do that until i have a brand new set of sales on this boat um and replace at least a couple other big big components as far as um the rigging and then having some other backups but i mean in all earnesty it, it really is it's all about the sales at that point because if you don't have a bulletproof brand new set of sails which is going to cost you know 15 grand or whatever depending on how sven can hook it up um that trip is just i've learned it's only taken me three years and three failed attempts at trips to learn that everything really has to be bulletproof and that still isn't a guarantee but going out there with old sails and a sewing machine even though you can do that, it's not a great way to go. Um, although I always do feel a bit of accomplishment when <laughs> when I rip a sail and then I'm able to bring it down, fix it, and then put it back up like in the same day. It's just not safe when you're dealing with places like Cape Horn um, and the high latitudes. So safety first. I'm getting old. Uh, I can't just mess around and gamble my life away because I've already done it too many times. The Perkins, yes, Perkins, 4108. The Blue Bandit, Blue Betty. I can't remember what I used to call it, but, uh, yeah, she's struggling. She's struggling a little hard. And it, these old Perkins are, are great because you can always get the parts. Um, they seem to really just run through it. I mean, I had a huge issue with water coming in through the exhaust and then uh, getting into the engine. And it's happened on this boat four different times. And I finally fixed it by installing a valve so it actually can't come in. And it's easy to close because it's on a pulley system. Doo -doo -doo. Instead of uh, me climbing over a hot engine and then reaching way back there and closing the valve. But it's... I don't know. It's been a great engine in a lot of ways. But it's also this new problem with the fuel not really getting to the engine i don't know if it's the injectors i'm gonna pull apart everything that i can and have done before make sure there's no blockages clean the injectors if that doesn't seem to work then i think it's it's time to look at replacing the fuel pump but we'll see i'm going to tomorrow do a synopsis of the projects that have to be done i'm going to put together a video i'll throw that out on youtube and uh, hopefully 
and this is going to be kind of one of those requests. Like I'm like, I just need, I need some intelligence, some experience, um, because this is one area where, you know, I could use, I could use as many hints and tips as possible. YouTube's always been a fantastic reference. I think it's the new stacks. It's the new reference library of the world. And it's great. It's like, it's like a video version of Wikipedia because everybody is, you know, throwing in their two cents on it. So it is pretty cool. <clears throat> oh, Scotland in the house. Oi, Scotland. <laughs> best accent in the world i'm just gonna say that right now i absolutely love it i uh i've i've known some great scots out there and uh just fantastic fantastic people i'm a retired delivery captain miss sailing and the old ones you remind me of the many old sailor friends stay well thank you appreciate that put a new pump on the perkins first what do that first but i i don't want to i i Shouldn't I go through and clean out the fuel system, make sure there's no blockages before I put a new fuel pump on there? Because one, I've got time because, uh, you know, I can't exactly just go order a fuel pump. I don't know if you think that this boat's made out of money. <laughs> uh, gonna need a lot more super chats before I can do that. Uh, start with the easy stuff. Yes. I mean, I still, I want to, I want to pull the injectors. They haven't been pulled in a long time. Um, I think I have a crack in one of the housings and I want to make sure I can replace that and stuff. Um, you know, cause I used to have to pull that stuff apart quite a bit when it was sucking water in and you'd have blow the whole thing out, but I don't want to get too distracted by all the engine stuff tonight. Um, because I got to wrap this thing up eventually here. But, uh, like I said, I will do a video and I'll definitely request any and all input and information that anybody can give me about some of these issues that I'm having engine wise. Um, so, so we'll sort of see, hope it's not the injection pump. Oh, see, I don't even want to see that. Oh, I don't even want to see that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, the, the amount of hours I've spent on YouTube watching other people do these projects that I'm trying to do. Like I've had to replace, quite a bit on that engine already um and i pull it apart and try and like sand rust off and all that. i don't know who knows we'll get into that sort of stuff later but yeah so i don't know i to, to wrap up as far as the big trips go yes i would i am not for at least until the whole northwest passage thing ever gets sorted out because there's definitely the U.S. says that it's actually a, you know, international passage. The Canadians definitely want to own it and lock it up. <sighs> I would love to circumnavigate the Americas and then also throw the old Antarctica in there and do it all nonstop. But boy, oh boy, that would be, again, another trip that would need, you know, huge amounts. But, you know, to be honest, I gave it a shot. I was on my way. I made it to 60 degrees north and then I got turned back. And I, the, the fear that I had of this fuel bladder that was just right over here on the cabin sole, 250 gallons of diesel sort of sloshing. Oh, I never want to feel that fear again. I was so afraid of that thing popping and filling the bilge with diesel and me having no other option but to just 
right overboard and that is something i don't i don't ever want to have to deal with that fuel pump 150 ah 150's manageable it's manageable i think we'll see we'll see <clears throat> so uh yeah i don't know if the northwest passage is anything i think i think if i really get get to a point where i i i want to get back up there i'm going to try and sign on with somebody else's excursion i want to go up there with randall reeves something like that somebody who's done it before on a boat that's made out of like steel or aluminum or something um i think that's probably the way to go but doubling cape horn that would be awesome and i still want to do the atlantic eight i want to go out there for four and a half months trouble free i'm going to leave in october this time instead of november and uh and actually you know i i shouldn't even say that I'm going to probably leave from not Maine, but somewhere Cape Hatteras or South because that was, uh, boy, that was just a brutal beating. I still remember being in the Gulf of Maine and just thinking to myself, whew, this is, uh, we're hove too. And now they're, now they're calling it an ear gale and it's getting pretty ugly. And it was getting, we were getting circled by that search plane. Um, I just remember thinking like, ah, I don't know if this was the best idea, <laughs> but Hey, you know, I was already out there. So what are you going to do? Ah, so where there are palm trees made. Yeah. You know, I've done that. I've done a lot of that. Um, and I do, I must say, <clears throat> uh, you know, between me and everybody here, there is a lovely young lady who actually sings the intro to the podcast. And she is definitely wanting to go and have a sailing adventure in the Caribbean amongst the palm trees and the warm breezes and the white sand beaches. And holy smokes, that would be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure YouTube would probably like it a lot. So they wouldn't have to just stare at my weathering mug all the time. But at the same time, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like, like I say, I like filming the stuff out on the ocean, the solo sailing aspect. I don't know if I could ever cross that line over into couples sailing channel sort of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I love, I love getting a little, little into some of those uh, channels. I think they are pretty funny. Um, but you know, Everybody's got to have their own little niche, I suppose. Go as a mate on the Ocean Research Project. Oh, don't even. What? Did Rutherford give you a little money to say that, huh? I know. He, he wants me to go on there, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can do that one. He and I talked about it. Um, I think. I don't know if he's still down in Columbia or not. Matt Rutherford is epic. Absolutely epic. And he's got this whole huge program. And it would be super cool to collaborate with him. We're going to just make sure the timing's right. It's not so much him I worry about. It's the other eight yahoos that are going to be on the boat breaking their legs. And, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with that one. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Every time I talk to Matt, I always just have so much fun. He is absolutely hilarious. And it, it's so sad that he and I haven't sat down in person to do a podcast together with good audio. I really hate doing them over the phone, but maybe we'll maybe we'll be able to make something make something happen. 
Yeah, sailor or something. Nah, I'm just a sailor, man. I like sailing. It's fun. Must be doing nice boats here too. To do one of cat put back together. I'm headed south next winter. Nice. Yes. How far south is the question? I'd really love to do a trip where you head straight down to um, Grenada and then you slowly work your way back. Continue to do the Golden Globe race in 2026 or 2030. Uh, yeah, if somebody wants to throw me $250,000 to actually do that campaign, um, I would need like a Rustler 36. I couldn't do it on Mighty Sparrow unless you want to just watch me come in last. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have considered it. Actually, Sven and I were talking about it the other day. Um, but no, I mean, that those sort of campaigns are insanely expensive you need a boat and you need new sails and you need a huge amount of gear and i don't have any of that um so it's a pretty huge daunting thing it would be really nice i would love to represent america in the golden globe in a boat that has you know a competitive edge uh to it but unfortunately mighty sparrow is not that boat. Uh, as much as I, I love her dearly, we would uh, definitely be in last place. And, and you know, there's something to be said for that. It's really about, you know, completing the course when it comes down to that. But if you're going to do that, if I'm going to risk my life going down to the Southern Ocean again for a second time, um, then, yeah, I, I would want to make sure that we were at least going to give it a go for uh, – for being the first one to get around so i don't know we'll have to see maybe if uh some of these american uh sailing companies north sales maybe hint hint want to throw down and uh have an american actually win <laughs> not that i think i would i don't want to sound like i'm that super confident but um i don't think an american has ever won a solo non-stop round the world race I don't think we've ever won the Volvo, or no, not the Volvo, the Vonde, and nobody's won the Golden Globe because we keep running the ground. <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, you got to use this accent. It's not so easy. <clears throat> Get some ivermectin. <laughs> oh, man. I spoke to Captain Gog mm, and Hobart. No, 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 sale if you can find some sponsorship. Yeah, I there's no way I'm going to find any sponsorship. I got to fix my own boat, man, and I got to work. And I got to do a podcast and a YouTube channel. <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, I prefer non-contact. Lots saying, well, I can come down to the things there. Do, 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 do. The West Sail is an approved boat. But yeah, the safety rules and entry fee are a lot of cash. And it's not the fastest boat for sure. Oh, definitely not the fastest boat. I mean, you know, if they if they didn't have those those off limits areas you know you could do it in a west sail you just get down to the southern ocean you go down to 61 degrees south plow through the ice and then uh you know pass up all the gates and take the penalties you might be able to do it then <laughs> who knows who knows all right well we're getting into uh we're getting over past the hour and this has been super fun. Uh, I hope you guys have all enjoyed, uh, being out here. Uh, first American to win golden globe race. That would be so freaking epic. Yes, it would. That would be, that would be cool, but don't get me all hopped up on this because uh, it's already dangerous enough for me to have those charts sitting in my nav station because 
late nights. I start peeling through those and I start coming up with these ideas. Came up with one. I dubbed it the curly cue. It's so dumb. It's so dumb, but it's so cool. Basically, you go down the Atlantics, go underneath the Cape of Good Hope, into the Indian Ocean. But before you make it to Australia, then you go north, above the equator, curly cue your way around, come back down past Madagascar, hit the Southern Ocean again, go underneath Australia. Then you get into the Pacific, and before you get to Cape Horn, boom, up north, curly cue all the way around the Pacific. And then back down to the Southern Ocean, around Cape Horn, and then into the Atlantic again. <laughs> the curly cue. It would be, you know, uh, probably about like 60,000 miles or so. I don't even know. It'd be nuts. I didn't think about that one. I've thought about so many different crazy routes. Holy smokes. It would just be bonkers. But over the last three trips, I've learned that, yes, you have to be 100% crazy prepared for any of those things. And, uh, at this point, I am not. You'll accomplish better, greater things anyways. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, we're all on this trip together, right? We all got we all got our little options, and uh, it's all about trying to keep it all interesting, have some fun, enjoy, have some experiences, and then share those experiences with everybody else. That's, that's the transition time. And I'm not quite there yet where you go from adventuring to sharing your adventures. Uh, I like to do both at this point, but, you know, it's one of those things we'll have to sort of see. So thank you all so, so much for chiming in. It's nice to be able to uh, get a little content right off of that chat feed and everything. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Um, I will be putting out some more stuff now that I'm on the boat because I want to share sort of this weird experience of trying to get Sparrow back up into fighting shape so that I can start heading up the coast maybe maybe if i can get things sorted out um i want to do a sail out to bermuda in march which is not the best month to do it but bermuda's not far enough away that i could get a pretty good weather window for that one get out there and then i'm protected um i kind of want to do that one more less for sparrow because i know sparrow can do it i mean i know we could sail out there right now uh without the gallows and all that sort of stuff it's more a mental thing for me to make sure that uh, i still have what it takes to go out there um i'm not gonna lie i got pretty rattled off of this last trip and uh you know who knows who knows what's gonna happen i i'm gonna give it my best shot and see what happens and uh you know every once in a while the thought of going back on the ocean is so scary that i want to put a for sale sign on the boat but other times that's all i think about is i want to get back out on the ocean so we will see it's going to be an interesting month hopefully everybody joins me and hopefully uh I am able to uh, get as much and share as much of the content out as possible via the podcast and uh, via YouTube and everything like that. So thanks, everybody. Hopefully you all have a great night. Uh, let's take one last question. What size? Any words of wisdom for a soon future proud owner? Uh, this is Westdale32. Any advice? Untie those lines and set sail. <laughs> Keep Keep a, uh, a chart of the world right there on your, on your nav station and uh, look at it often and plan, 
plan to go and see as much as you possibly can. All right. Trippy season for weather. Oh, my God. I know. It's like the Atlantic is on fire with wind. I don't understand what's going on. So we'll have to see. Definitely going to check that out. But, you know, you ride the lower portion of a system. At least I'm in a better spot than being up in Maine, right? <laughs> All right. This is uh, Jerome out on Mighty Sparrow, back on action, uh, signing off for the night. Thanks, everybody. And until next time. <laughs>